What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's an emergency episode of the Pac-12 Apostles. We have a new commissioner, George Kilikoff, president of entertainment and sports at MGM Resorts. He's the new commissioner. Larry Scott's tenure is officially over. And we teased it on Twitter. We are going to tell you guys how the Pac-12 Apostles figured out how the com- who the commissioner was going to be before the AP broke it, before Wilner, before Canzano, before anybody else, Bruce Feldman, anybody will tell you how we came up with it and how we knew. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. You guys can always shoot us an email. I'm mad. I M M A D at unafraidshow.com. You can shoot us a text 818-293-7547. And of course, leave a review and leave a rating so we can read them on here. It's one of our favorite things to do. And of course, we will get back to answering all your emails next episode because this is clearly an emergency episode. It's not for that, people. Um, so Ralph, when you found, so we, we knew that this news was going to be breaking at some point in time soon, but the fact that we heard that there was going to be a press conference, were you surprised that the name hadn't leaked earlier? Because we had seen names like Oliver Luck, uh, Freer from Hulu, who I was a big fan of. Um, the potential for there being it being two jobs instead of one job, which I floated out there. Um, were you surprised that it hadn't broken earlier than you know that the conference had been so tight lipped about it? <laughs> uh, definitely, um, definitely because everything leaks, everybody kind of has their their guys. Um, I remember for the longest time when I was covering Arizona State. Anytime Todd Graham wanted to get anything out there or the Graham staff 
or the Arizona State Sports Information Department, they would go through Pete Thamel of Sports Illustrated. Like you had like 18 people dedicated to covering Arizona State sports and Pete Thamel, who pays zero attention to anything locally unless it's time to break news, would always have the information. And so, you know, you figure and, – and we know for a fact that all of these people have really close-knit relationships with um, Bruce Feldman on this podcast I've gone through before – and if you just look up Bruce Feldman's mentions of the Pac-12 head coaches as they're about to be hired or during the hire, he always says nice things. And then he always kind of gets the exclusive to do a deep dive on profiling um, these coaches. And so, you know, you'd figure um, then you have, you know, John Canzano and John Wilner who who cover the conference extensively. Uh, and then you have some other people who are, are, are plugged in. Um, and the thought was that, you know, maybe somebody would know something because the same five or six names that, that kept coming up were one by one over time, just turning the job down until finally, I think in the last two days, um, Oliver Luck and Gene Smith, which were probably clubhouse leaders for a lot of people, um, became definite no's. Um, Ralph, yeah. You, and so you... it, it's yeah, but you know what this is, Ralph. What? Th this is just like when anybody else gets gets hired. They got their first they got the only person who they offered the job to is the person who took it. You know that. They didn't they didn't offer Oliver Luck. They didn't offer Freer from Hulu. They didn't offer, you know, uh the uh Greg Burns from Alabama. They didn't offer any of those people. They got their man, the man that they wanted from the beginning, Ralph. Right, right. I mean, I don't uh, – corporate – I don't spend any, – anytime any company is saying anything, um, especially when they're introducing a person or a product, I try to ignore the like 50,000 buzzwords that you see in any of those circumstances and just get right to the heart of like, okay, what is this person's background and what are they saying publicly? And that's why it's important to have a decent media base to be able to come in and ask very important questions. And with Larry Scott, it just got exhausting because I would go to Pac-12 Media Day year after year and the media members would just be beat down by about the sixth year of having to ask questions <laughs> about, you know, are you going to get a relationship with DirecTV? It was like, I mean, nobody even wanted to ask. Maybe one person would. Whereas, like, if this was, you know, a New York Giants press conference and they called an ill-advised timeout, 13 different people from the Daily News and the Post and the Athletic and then, you know, 14 other publications would follow up with what about that timeout? What about that timeout? What about that yeah. timeout? Like West coast media has a reputation of being soft, but like, I think West coast media understands when something is corporate speaking, it's just completely pointless. And one of the things that Larry Scott did was absolutely beat the life out of West coast media. People who weren't even really paying all that close attention to the PAC 12 in the first place, because the product hasn't been all that great. Um, but when they did pay attention, they would just get absolute corporate speak drivel from a man who very clearly did not have the right answers, but thought that if he talked long enough, he could get away with it. And, you know, so 
it, it, the yeah, whole thing of, but didn't didn't he get away with it to the tune of what like over twenty million dollars? He was cashing checks, but do you know a single? I mean, like, I would think that in any other circumstance, John Canzano and John Wilner, and even you and I, would be judging somebody on the merits of what they bring to the table in the conference. But like for the last three years of Larry Scott, it was like we would start off and be like, hey, guess what this asshole did? Like it was just like <laughs> the level of jadedness was – it was really extreme. He had no credibility. He had like yep. a couple of power broker defenders, right? He, he had Michael Crow, which is really interesting that Arizona State University just posted a photo um, with new Pac-12 uh, commissioner George Klyavkov and Ray Anderson and Michael Crow all standing together unified because Michael Crow was a big reason why Larry Scott wasn't fired four years ago because he he had a lot of power in the process and was an avid defender of keeping Larry Scott on board and, and, and trying to paint anybody who thought otherwise as an idiot. Um I don't know, man. We, we're really beating around the bush here, though. Let's get into the good oh, stuff because no. this is what people want to hear. Let's go back, George, to this morning when you picked up the phone and called me knowing that there was going to be a press conference in two hours. Okay. Okay. Be- be- before we even do uh, that, uh, I-, I, wa- I want to answer a question real, real quick. Which is, and then, then we will get into how the news was broken before the AP, before anybody else. The Pac-12 apostles knew who your new commissioner was going to be. And it was tweeted out. So, Route, how important do you think that this commissioner hire was? Like, is, did, the, did the fate of the Pac-12 universe rest on this hire? I believe I believe it did. I believe the total existence of the conference as a power five and ability to win championships and all that rested on this hire. I'm with you. Um, and I, I don't want to get unnecessarily political on this um, on this show. There's no reason to. But I want to I want to draw some comparison. Somebody tweeted something today. That um, that basically said like uh, there's this congresswoman from Georgia. Her name is Marjorie Taylor Greene, and she has done a lot of like really weird look at me antics things. She bought into QAnon super hard. She she's bought into a bunch of conspiracy theories. She's made a spectacle. She's yelled at people in public. She has drawn a bunch of attention to herself. She's done some really weird stuff, right? Regardless of party not bringing up any policy issues to keep herself in the news. She's done a lot of really weird things. And somebody tweeted something earlier today that really made me think of the PAC 12. They said like, this woman has done stuff that would get her kicked out of a Chuck E. Cheese and we still can't kick her out of Congress. And I was thinking about it and it was like, Larry Scott was so bad for so long and everyone knew it. It was common knowledge that he not only did not complete the majority of his objectives, but it was numerically quantifiable 
that the Pac-12 had fallen behind in recruiting metrics, in financials, in overall success of the conference. We just had a basketball tournament in which Larry Scott lost the credibility for the Pac-12 as well as the benefit of the doubt. So there's always going to be a bias toward things that happen on the West Coast. And I'm now that I'm an East Coast resident, I'm starting to understand it. But the thing that used to balance out the East Coast bias was the benefit of the doubt, that the Pac-12 was a Power Five conference. Larry Scott's management cost the Pac-12 the benefit of the doubt. And the Pac-12, at least in men's basketball, ended up having to have success from super low seeds all the way across the board because they had lost that benefit of the doubt. Like it's uh, on almost every measurable Larry Scott was failing miserably and not one damn thing was done about it. And so that brings me back around to be able to answer your question. We have a lot of people in this country in positions of influence and positions of power who aren't facing any type of accountability whatsoever for the fact that they aren't, doing their job correctly. And it's extremely frustrating for the person who shows up 15 minutes late to work at a QT gas station and their ass gets kicked to the curb, right? Because that's a QT gas station and they could use a second chance. Meanwhile, you have somebody completely ruining an entire conference and operating it in such a way that the entire conference has completely lost respect and you don't have any consequences for that. And so that brings me to my answer to your question, George. This is the most important possible hire the in all of college football right now because it matters to all of college football, not just the Pac-12, that the product is good, that the product is visible, that college football as a brand is strong and forward-thinking because at the end of the day, the one thing that Larry Scott taught us is if George Klyavkov fucks this up, there's not going to be any consequences mm. except for the results. Yes, dude. That means that you will either be to the point where the top teams have to leave the conference or they're no longer, you know, or they're no longer relevant. I mean, imagine like if you look at what Mario Cristobal is doing on the recruiting trail and imagine if there are no results for that. Like if that just stops because you can't win a championship and all of this, that would be a disaster, dude. That, I mean, and the same thing for USC fans, they want to see something different with clay Helton. Like if then you won't be able to hire a top tier, a proven top tier head coach, you will always be speculating, right? If you're USC, because you'll be in a conference where people will be like, okay, well, you can't win there. (laughs) And it's hard to recruit even in a fertile recruiting ground like LA. But now it is time though. (laughs) It is time for the truth, the big reveal (laughs) of how the Pac-12 apostles scooped everybody as far as the Pac-12 commissioner, George Kliakoff. And mind you, let's let's read a couple of the Wilner tweets because this is very important when it comes to it. Because if you go back, you heard... That okay, Oliver Luck is out of the the hot board search. 
Um, big name in the box, two out of three. Who, from where, two out of five. And you're just like, okay. Then he says that, what what, what do you say, that 90? Oh, so, so I tweeted at him. I said, if it ain't Randy Freer, I'm nervous. And then he said, it's not Freer. And then he tweeted out, and I was like, hold up. Then he said, Pac-12 fans, and my, mind you, we were already in the process of figuring out who, who it was. By the, by the time I tweeted Randy Freer at 8.49 this morning, we had already figured it out at that point in time. And then John Wilner tweeted out, Pac-12 fans better hope the president's put as much energy into making the smart decision as they have into keeping a secret. Then the next tweet, which is very important, there's a 99% chance that nobody in college sports has ever heard of the next Pac-12 commissioner, according to his source. And then he comes back and says, I figured out the ID of the next Pac-12 commission, but I am so shocked that quadruple confirmation is required to make sure I'm not being set up. We already knew at that point in time because I tweeted um, immediately. I quote tweeted John, John Wilner there. And I said, at which tweet at which tweet, which tweet did you, did you quote tweet? Oh, I so you can, you can establish that it was before John Wilner said, Oh, oh that there he is had found out who it was. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is the timestamp thing. So, and I made sure to tell people, check the timestamp. So at exactly 9.26 a.m., so an hour and 34 minutes before the press conference, and like, what was it, like 40 minutes, 37? 45, I think like 45 minutes before Ralph Russo at the at the AP tweeted out who the commissioner was going to be. Yes. At that point in time, that's when uh, I responded to that tweet and I said, possible Pac-12 commissioner name that we haven't heard yet is George Kilikoff, president of president of entertainment and sports at MGM Resorts. Hashtag just a guess. Winky face. (laughs) And people were like, yo, did he really do this? And here is here is the truth. I work with a warlock. I work with a warlock slash witch named, named Ralph Amsden. And if, if Ralph's superpower is finding out information that nobody is supposed to know. And without sources. With with <laughs> with and and that's the that's totally important to throw in there without yes. sources. And he did this without one single solitary source. Ralph Ralph figured it out, and Ralph was like, "Yo, George, do uh do what do you think about this?" He laid out the whole scenario for me, how he figured it out, and I said, "All right, I'm cool. I trust you, and I know your abilities, and this all makes so much sense." I will tweet it out because that's how much I trust you, Ralph, and your investigation skills. And so so Ralph deserves a big pat on the back. He deserves something good to happen to him in this house right, right, right now <laughs> for, for, uh, for figuring this out. 
Great job, Ralph. Kudos to you, buddy. High five. Well, I just I want to go back to the point, and I don't want to give away too many trade secrets because this is this is something that I've actually done a few times. Like, uh, if you go back to you remember the um, yeah, because we can't America, give away all the yeah, yeah, yeah. all the all the but, sauce. We can't <laughs> give away the secret it, sauce, buddy. If you go back to the American Alliance of Football when they were announcing their team names and coaches the day before the Arizona Hotshots named Rick Neuheisel their head coach, I said the Arizona franchise should be called the Hotshots and they should hire Rick Neuheisel. I already knew those two things are going to happen, and it and again this is to, it, if you know where to look for certain things online, like you can you can and and you use deductive reasoning, you can figure some stuff out. This was this was a really weird one because you called me. I think we all started seeing all the alerts. So like, hey, the Pac-12 is going to have a, a press conference. I was on a, a business call with somebody from my hometown in Wyoming, and I saw that you were calling, and I was like, oh, I know what he wants to talk about. And when I answered the phone, you you said, what are you up to? And what did I tell you? Oh, figuring out who the next commissioner is? Yeah, I so said, I'm trying to figure out who the next commissioner is. You said, oh, of course you are. And I was like, okay, give me a minute because I think I think there's a couple – and it wasn't just one name. I said, I think there's yeah. a couple of names here that I uncovered that are really, really outside the box, but they might – if they're really saying that Oliver Luck dropped out, if Gene Smith dropped out, and it hasn't leaked yet, if it hasn't leaked yet, then it's got to be somebody outside the industry. Yes. Or, and, and, and or would- I floated the other idea. Which was, or it has to be internal. Yeah, and you and told like, me, no way, no way, no way. I was like, you can't have, you can't hire somebody who was there when the crime was committed, and and, and expect there not to be a mutiny. I was like, they, there is no way that the commit that the presidents and chancellors could be this incompetent. And 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 I'm not saying that Merton Hanks is going to be bad at his job or anything like like, like that. However. You cannot bring somebody like if you're looking for change, you can't hire somebody from within when the when the mess is so broken and you were a part of it and com- or complicit on 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 some level. Like you need uh Joe Joe Clark from Lean on Me to come in and be like, <laughs> put the ch- take the chains off the door, take the chains off the door. The enemy is here. And so when you convinced me that that was an impossibility, then the focus fell on the one external candidate that I believed, which was very far outside the box, could be possible. So then you and I started talking about – And it made so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because – okay. So if you're looking at – so we we knew it couldn't be somebody who was at a school already. Because if they if it were somebody who was at an institution already, then they would have then somebody from their institution would have leaked the fact that they were leaving. Like so. So it wasn't. So we knew it was somebody who was not currently at a school. Right. That it had right, which to be makes it funny because you and I were as you and I were discussing who it could or could not be. The president of the University of Ohio resigned. And I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> like this throws a wrench in everything because it was happening in, an hour before the press conference. The president of the University of Ohio stepped down and I was like, wait, what's this? And then he put out an announcement saying that he was stepping down to remain a professor 
at University of Ohio. And I was like, okay. Because that, I mean, that would have, that probably would have thrown me off the scent big time. Yeah. And when when we, so so we we actually said the name Kliakoff uh, probably 20, 30 minutes before that tweet was sent. Like 20 or 30 minutes. And then it was like, wait, hold up. Okay, let's, and then we circled back to him after eliminating other candidates. And it just made so much sense. It was like, okay, this is a man who has been in the sports gaming business. He has been in the, um, like, just involved in, with the WNBA. Yeah. Yeah. He's he, been involved. He, he was the head of a virtual reality company. Yes. So he's full helped thinking. bring who like he helped invent Hulu. Yes. And launch it. Um, he's part of real player. He's been associated with the NBA. He is uh, an, a mega sports fan. Um, and we'll get into my Twitter reconnaissance on this guy uh, in a little bit. But I mean, he's posted photos with, you know, himself at Rangers games and Giants games and Yankees games. He posted a photo with himself watching an NBA finals game with David Stern, like sitting with David Stern watching the NBA finals. So, I mean, this is a dude who's been all over sports for a really long time. I went back and listened to several interviews that he gave about different events that would take place in Las Vegas because, you know, like the, 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 um, who did Tyson Fury fight Wilder? Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I listened to a podcast where he talked about bringing in Fury Wilder two to fight at the the MGM Grand. Um, he's a, he is somebody who is very very up to date on what is popular inside and out of sports, but obviously sports is the most important thing for for the Pac twelve conference. But so is business, and so is pop culture, and so is technology. Yeah, and and that's where I think that he is going to. I thought that this was a home run hire. I thought that this was a, a, about as good as you could get. I mean, because because you uh, got a guy who is not only competent, but he is he's done the job. Like he's going to be forward thinking. He's not going to stay in the box and say, "Oh well, th- this is how we've always done it at the conference." Let's and he's not going to be reactionary because he understands and knows that there is. That there's a that there's a cost, that there's a huge cost to waiting, and he's put together huge deals for Hulu, for with MGM, with other companies he's been involved with. So this is a man who gets it. You know what I mean? Like, and I look forward to seeing the types of things that he's going to do for the conference to increase the, um availability of the conference and to figure out who he's going to partner with. So what did your Twitter reconnaissance lead you to? Well, first of all, Larry Scott was not on social media, which is something that you and I bemoaned repeatedly because you don't have to read your mentions, but having a venue and an avenue with which to communicate with people directly is incredibly important. You should be where the people are like, and the fact that, and it just reinforced the fact that he couldn't get the conferences games in front of people. He couldn't even get himself in front of people. Like it, it was, it, it was, it was absolutely absurd. Like you, 
he would have gotten a lot of hate and his mentions would have been a dumpster fire. But I also think that if he was the type of person to get out there and face the music, then he would have been the type of person that actually held himself accountable for some mm. of the decisions that he made. And so, you know, w- we went from somebody who didn't have social media to G- George Klyavkov, who has been on Twitter as long as you and I have, George. I got on February 2009. Yeah, I was finding tweets from him like t- 2009, 2010, for sure. Oh, and see. he was one of those guys. I think <laughs> he, he I'm, I'm going to be dead honest with you. He seems like the kind of guy like boss baby. You ever watch that show? Boss baby. Like yeah. he was born in a suit and tights, been an executive his entire life. He's had gray hair since he was 11 years old and he's just been running shit. <laughs> like that's, that's how he comes off to me. Um, and his Twitter was really interesting to me because there was a bunch of people who I joined up uh, with around the same time and joined Twitter. And th- there were, there were a few different types of tweeters in the very beginning. There was the, I'm on this for three days because it's interesting and never tweeted again. There was those people. There was the, I'm here for sports and I'm only going to talk about sports. And that's what we're doing. There were trolls from the get go. There were trolls. Uh, and then there were, um, people who were there to start to build their brand. And the other one, um, which I never really followed a lot of these people because I didn't see a lot of use for it, was there were the people who came on as sort of like entrepreneurs and they used social media in such a way that they tweeted out like one or two things a day. It was almost always a news link to one of the major stories of the day with just the headline. Like they didn't really ever add any flavor or anything themselves or any personality. And I, some of the people I know, I, I, I got a friend who's a, a CEO of a company down in Arizona um, who he had signed actually up for a service, which tweeted for him twice a day with two of the most talked about tech stories of the day. So you would just see his name on your timeline twice a day, but he actually never logged on to Twitter or got any engagement. And that's what George Klyavkov's Twitter for, for I'm talking years, I'm talking 2009 all the way through right now. Most of his tweets were just that, like here's the top tech story of the day. And every once in a great while, a little bit of commentary of like, I read this, it was interesting, Yeah, but maybe once every five or six days, he would fire off a tweet And it was usually like, I'm traveling and this is where I'm at (laughs) or, or university of Virginia basketball would be playing. And he'd be like, Grayson Allen's a bitch. Duke sucks. (laughs) Virginia tech's the worst college on the planet. And it's like, Oh my God, this dude's a sports fan. Like this guy. And you really got that feeling of like, Oh, this, he, he went to university of Virginia. He's invested in his alma mater. And this dude hates Virginia tech. Like I got that a lot from his Twitter. Um, also it, it, that he was a big NBA fan and that he would tweet about pop culture stuff every once in a while. But for the most part, George, for a guy who's been on Twitter for 12, 13 years, and you know, if he tweeted some dumb shit, I would find it. Yes. Oh, I dude. found maybe, I found maybe three tweets. I don't know if you want me to tell you what they are. But I found maybe three tweets in his history that are like, what do you mean? Oh, those of course are I bad. want you to tell us. Okay. Wait, wait, so. wait, wait. Is, is, is this well? <laughs> it, it, it's already out there. So then, and you already know people are already doing the the the, the digging. So yeah. so you might as well go Ab- ahead and say it. Absolutely wild decision by the Pac-12 to not have him scrub his Twitter, though. 
like for the fact that this dude is as vanilla as he is completely wild of the pac 12 to not have this guy protect his account or delete his tweets. Okay. What do we insane what, to me? What do we have? Okay. I'm going to, uh, I'll get, I'll give you the tweets. There's probably two or three of them. And I actually did a top 10 list of my favorite old tweets of his <laughs> on my Twitter. And I'll run you, th- I'll run you through those in a second. Cause I just want to get your reaction to them. But, um, NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Questionable tweet number one basically said... The Second Amendment was ratified in 1791. It's time to revisit old rules. That doesn't sound that crazy. To possibly get rid of or amend the Second Amendment? You don't think that that would upset people in today's climate? Of course that would upset upset people. I don't think that that's worth deleting. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I don't even know if this second one, if I should say it out loud. Hold on. I'm going <laughs> to. Oh, my God. Hold, I'm dead serious, it George. It probably I'm not, I'm is not, super. Okay. The uh, first one was a non-issue issue. It's like. Okay. okay you, yes. think, you think it's a non-issue, but you're open to discuss anything. You would be fine if it had said, like, we need to double the Second Amendment. If it was just had come out of nowhere. But all right. I'm going to text you this second one while we're talking just oh, to see. Okay. Because you you know me as as out there as I am, I still, um, I still want to make sure that uh, that I'm not okay. Here here we go, texting it now, and you have to think about this tweet in the context 
of everything that I've told you about what I found out about his Twitter. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> they should have made him d- delete that Twitter, but I I'm not mad at it. Like it, he's a sports fan. Bro. <laughs> would you, would you have tweeted something like that? If it included somebody from university of Washington? Uh, I, I, all right. I, I, I what's have, the date on this tweet? What's the date on this tweet that I sent you? Okay. I, okay. I, I have to be, be honest. It, well, first thing, it doesn't have the date on it. It's okay. Let off. me find the date. Let me find it because so, hopefully he's so, deleted it by now. So here's the, here, here's the thing is I have retweeted at some point in time, probably that a, that meme or somebody in a shirt that says Ted Bundy was a Husky. Okay. He was also a Ute. He, he also went to university of Utah, multiple Pac-12 schools could have been your school. Okay. So know. I found, I found the date on this tweet. Okay. I found the date. Um, November 5th, 2009. <sighs> this is why it's important. That, you, that is in the wild, wild, oh. wild west days yeah. of, and, of Twitter. And, and, and here's the truth is when I have, when I went to go get a, when I first started working at FS1, and also when uh, my my wife was doing a show on Fox called Home Free a few years ago, they literally went through every single former tweet and was like, these are a couple questionable for uh, her or for me. Even like, yo, what? Okay, the, these are a couple questionable. You want to delete this before the show starts, blah, 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 or not or anything like that. So those are kinds of things that ha- that they normally do. I don't understand why the Pac-12 did not do this because, <laughs> because that tweet. Is... I'm not saying that tweet. I'm not saying it. I'm not going to. Okay. I don't. I hear. I gave the date though. If somebody wants to go find it, they can find it. But like, that, it's first a, of it's, all, it, it's an objectionable tweet. Well, actually, <laughs> actually, it's, it's just it's just in poor taste of a sports fan in relation to a tragic event. Okay. For sure. Not, and it's not in, in the era that we're in right now. It's not racism. No, so, no, it's not yeah. racism. Cause I would have yeah. honored his ass for that. No, it's just, it's just, it, I just wish it sucks because there's a lot of like young, younger people on Twitter right now who would have been like tw- tw- 11, 12 years old in 2009. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people actually in their 20s have have been beat up for the stuff that they tweeted when they were like 14, 15 years yeah. old. That's a different story. I'm telling you, if your grandmother, if your grandmother was on Twitter in 2009, she was tweeting freaky shit. Like <laughs> 2009. Right I don't know what it was. Like I went back and when you and I were talking the other day about our first tweets, because I went and searched your first tweets and my first tweets. I went through because 2009 was when I jumped on. I went through and I was like, who is this? Like reading my own tweets. Like, I don't know who this man is. Yeah. Well, well I have no. And then none of them and none of them were even like objectionable. It was just like, I think I hate this person, whoever this was. They're see, corny but, and see, stupid. Th- that's why Mark Cuban suggests that everybody should delete their tweets every three months. That you you should have that they should be that they should detonate that yes people can screenshot them but they need to detonate after every three three six months all right so here's the third here's the third tweet and it's not actually one tweet it's several 
And it's actually before 2015, which makes it even more interesting. Every once in a while, this dude, George Klyavkov, would just take a dump on Donald Trump. Like he just would, he he would just make fun of him. But that's what a lot of people, because if you don't remember Donald Trump make, before make, he ran for president. Fit, but doesn't that make him fit in the Pac-12 though? I think it definitely makes him fit in the Pac-12. And even during Trump's presidency, you can see that there's a lot of tweets. No favorites, which is the wildest thing about George Klyavkov's Twitter account, is he's never liked a single tweet ever. Mm, they might have um, gotten rid of the favorites. They might have actually done the favorites. But why would they get rid of the favorites? And So the, I, I don't know. That one was wild. But And, and then why, why leave the old tweets? But he did He did kind of um, – he would, he would retweet stuff that mostly was like John Stewart or John Oliver – or comedians making jokes about oh, okay. about Donald Trump. Yes. It's a pre- so, pretty common stuff. But he he did he did take a few shots at Donald Trump, which I feel like also all of Twitter was doing before 2015. Correct. Yes. Like Donald Trump was one of Twitter's biggest This is going to sound weird because there's people who listen to this podcast that are conservative. There's people who listen to this podcast that are MAGA supporters. You you have to understand Donald Trump before he ever ran for president was his entire goal was to keep your name on his mind, which a lot of people have copied that sort of way that he branded himself um, to just stay in the news cycle. He would comment on every pop culture issue. And a lot of his comments on pop culture issues were really similar to the thing he did the other day when he called the Kentucky Derby horse that won Medina spirit, when he called it a junkie. Yeah. So like calling a horse a junkie was very 2014, 2013 Donald Trump on Twitter. Yeah. Like that was just super common. And so a lot of George Klyavkov's tweets, and I'm sure if you look up my tweets from 2012, 2013, they would also be making fun of some of the stuff that Donald Trump was saying back then. Um, But I mean, he's definitely, definitely on the left side politically, but it wasn't like extreme, like, super activist liberalism that was coming out of out of his Twitter. It was all pretty vanilla. But those are the things that stood out, but I did make a top 10 list. I'm going to run you through them, George. I want to I see what you think. Okay, so here's the thread. Larry Scott didn't have a Twitter, so it's kind of fun. The Pac-12 hired someone who's been on here from the beginning. A thread of my top 10 favorite old tweets of new Pac-12 commissioner, George Klyavkov. Number 10, LeBron greater than Jordan. And this tweet says, uh, he was tweeting a video from Bill Lambeer, um, who is the head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, who George managed or was president. I, whatever his association with the, the Aces is, I need to look further into. But he said, Coach Lambeer, the Aces, dropping some knowledge. Bill Lambeer, LeBron is the GOAT over MJ and is better at involving his teammates to win. What do you think of that, George? Don't don't hate it. Would enjoy the conversation. All right. Uh, number nine, the commish likes Macklemore. This is a tweet from 2013. He said, listen to thrift shop by Macklemore at LAX. Great way to wake up. Quote, I wear your granddad's clothes. I look incredible. Unquote. Yo, thrift, thrift shop was a hell of a record, dude. I'm going to, I'm going to pop some tags. That $20. Yeah, Macklemore was the victim. Macklemore was the victim of, people who didn't listen to rap liking his stuff more than some of the greatest albums of all time that came out that year. Correct. 
Exactly. Other than that, he's fine. And, and, the, no. and that was the thing that actually hurt him more than anything is that people, it, it, it was almost like the Iggy Azalea effect that for sure she, that they were so hot. So, so at first, and then people were like, hold on, you're, you're dissing the good stuff. And then that made people turn on them. Like they were the people who did it. Some of the albums that came out that year remind me very much of Christian McCaffrey, not winning the Heisman. <laughs> Like, yeah. It's just like, how could you not? Um, okay, number eight, uh, George Klyavkov, February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2010. Dancing in the VIP at LeBron and Jay-Z's NBA Two Kings party. This is becoming an annual affair. Yo, yo, he with the shits, man. He, he's a sports fan. Dude, I love it. I'm all in on that. that, that that's number one so far to me. All right, <laughs> number seven. Randomly invited to celebrate Jackie Chan's 60th birthday with him at our hotel in Beijing. And it's a picture of him and uh, Jackie Can- Chan with a Rachel Maddow haircut. Okay, dude, he's, he's, he's name dropping too much now. Okay, go on. All right, uh, number six. Um, May 2nd, 2011. Uh, and I said that the commish is telling... Uh, Leno monologue jokes. Again, this is 2011. Is Donald Trump going to demand Osama bin Laden's long form death certificate? <laughs> the new that's the new commissioner of the Pac 12 okay. telling jokes on the Twitter. <laughs> this is a good one. This is a good one. Um, uh, June 12th, 2010. Watching old people dance reminds me that young people don't know how to dance. <laughs> I think I considered that like an anti-twerking tweet. Yes, yes. For sure. Or like or like not not understanding the the uh <laughs> uh any of the new TikTok dan- dance crazes even though that was way before TikTok. It also, I was like, wait, was George Klyavkov doing the waltz at Jay-Z's Two Kings party? Right. <laughs> like, what is he talking about? He's doing oh my God. potato and a twist. All right. Number four. The commish is pro-rivalry and hates the Hokies. And this is just like a series of tweets, minus one very bad one that I left out. Beating Virginia Tech is James Madison's best work since the Federalist Papers. The only thing better than Virginia Tech losing is when they lose painfully, like being beat by Boise State in the last minute 20. The 19 varsity teams at Virginia Tech, and he tagged them, still have won a total of zero NCAA championships. That was in 2018. Virginia Tech loses to UNC, and the Yankees win. A perfect sports night. The Yankees win, UVA won, Virginia Tech lost. All around, a great day. <laughs> you think he likes Virginia? Oh, that means he's a fan of your boy. Uh, Bryce Perkins. Yeah. yeah, former Pac-12 quarterback. Bryce Perkins. And he's probably not a fan of former University of Arizona quarterback, Connor Brewer. Yep. <laughs> For him doing nothing at University of Virginia. Okay, and he's probably uh, a big fan. He Well, he was probably a big fan of Braxton Burmeister, though. <laughs> George, <laughs> literally anybody compared to you is a big fan of Braxton Burmeister. <laughs> you hate that kid. <laughs> I don't hate him. He's just a bad quarterback. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Number three, the commish hates your pets. 
Um, which is really interesting because if you look at his most recent tweet, it's like a video of him with two of his dogs. Um, but he tweeted this. Oh gosh, how long ago this? This is like a 2011 tweet. So maybe he's he's grown. Can someone please build an Instagram plugin that removes pictures of kittens and puppies from my feed? I'd happily invest. Dude, I'm 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 not a cat guy, dude. Not a cat guy at all. I'm not a cat guy, but kittens aren't cats. Just like puppies aren't dogs. Kittens and puppies make the day better. Just pictures of them everywhere. No, kittens, no. Absolutely not. You really think a kitten and a cat are the same thing? Yes. It, 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 does a kitten grow to be a cat? But it's, then, what you're, then if you say it grows to be a cat, then it's not a cat. It's a cat. It's a tiny cat. It's a baby cat. It's a baby cat, Ralph. Why, right, do but it's a baby. Do, do it's a, a baby. Do I don't a, like do people very much. A bad, a bad, another bad take, dude. The, this the, isn't a bad take. On I don't like. Reese's. I don't like human beings <laughs> very. Much. I love them. I love them. I have compassion for them. I don't like them all that much. I don't mind keeping to myself, but I love every baby in the entire world. Are you going to tell me a baby and the guy who owned my house before me who left it in shambles are the same thing? They are not. Kittens and cats. We'll save that for a take for Twitter. Kittens and cats are not the same. Uh, Okay, number two. (laughs) I wrote, there's a really good chance the commission knows this conference was run very poorly. And I included two tweets in this. One is a picture of a truck (laughs) that had driven into an overhead pass and was stuck under it. Um, And on the side of the truck that had been wrecked into the overhead pass, it says, on the road to success, there are no shortcuts. And he captioned it and said, this says it all, which I think is important for for what he's about to embark on with the Pac-12. And then the second tweet that I attached to it, April 16, 2011, both traditional and inherently disruptive businesses involve identifying and either exploiting or fixing inefficiencies. I love that tweet. That tweet makes me happy. That makes me very happy. And then the number one greatest old tweet of new Pac-12 commissioner George Klehavkov. How was the last one not number one? That was (laughs) awesome. Okay, well, (laughs) this is the best old tweet I've ever seen. The streak stands at one, and Grayson Allen is the most unsportsmanlike crybaby choker in Duke history. (laughs) I love it, dude. I love it. And I 100% agree with it. I stand by the commissioner. I stand by the commissioner. Everybody you, hates Grace Can you Allen. imagine? Can you imagine like Larry Scott, like getting on Twitter for the first time out of nowhere in 2016 in like, in like spring 2016. And he was like, Hey, I just want everyone to know Grayson Allen's a bitch. Like, I can't imagine it. And just knowing that, like, this is not going to change. This man hates Grayson Allen, and he's the commissioner of the Pac-12, and he's not going to not hate Grayson Allen. Like, you don't just stop hating your least favorite player ever. Yeah. Do you think if, George, do you think if I got a job at the New York Times as, like, the editor-in-chief tomorrow – that if somebody asked me about Carl Malone inside, I wouldn't be like, ooh. 
Dude, you are on permanent. The, all right, so there is there is Carl Malone, and there is oh my gosh, there there there's something else that you uh, hate too. I can't remember what what it is. It is oh my gosh, it was just something that just came up. Oh well, for forget I'm not, it out. I'm not certainly not kittens like you. No, no cats, cats, pineapples. Just, pineapples are the worst thing of all time. I take. Lies. I would, I would take Carl Malone as a roommate over eating one pineapple. Wow, wow! I stop, stop. Um, okay, so here are some quotes from the new commissioner in his press conference. So, in response to a question about women's basketball, Kliakov said, "We know where our bread is buttered." We're focused on the revenue sports and winning in football and men's basketball. Is that a good reply? Yes. Um, People are sensitive. And if you chop that quote up to just its own thing without any context, I could see how somebody would be like, we matter too, because, because a lot of the smaller sports, non-revenue generating sports and women's sports in general feel neglected. Oftentimes, yes, especially if you see what just, just happened with the golf championship. Oh my gosh. Yes. And we'll, we'll get into that next week. And I guess kudos to Barstool for stepping in, but, but okay. So you already have a bunch of them that feel like they're behind, even though in the PAC 12, I don't necessarily think that that's the case. If, if, if Larry Scott did anything, it was make the little sports feel like they mattered. Right. Um, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with making them feel like they matter, but you have to nurture the, like the, like you, you, you must nurture your most important thing because it actually, it would, it, it would be like if it were the last tree on earth. Right. And, yeah. but you're worried about planting flowers instead of nurturing the uh, tree. So then everybody can breathe. Like the, the the carbon dioxide, oxygen, all this stuff that goes to the tree, out of the tree, is more important than the flowers and will actually keep the flowers and the people running around alive. One million percent, I agree with you. Uh, it does create a very odd question for me, and I'm going to throw it out there. I've read as much as I can, and I've watched as much as I can on this, but... <laughs> Is there any chance that Larry Scott's um, propensity to put some of these lesser known sports out front and give them attention in the way that he did foiled the longstanding fraud that was going on? Or, or do you think that just would have blown up in everybody's face anyway? I don't understand what you mean. So under Larry Scott's tenure, a lot of these smaller sports like rowing, tennis, and 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 others like they were involved in the fraud from like oh, Lori Laughlin yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, varsity blues thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just makes me wonder if if the Pac-12 smaller sports had stayed under the radar, 
if there would have been less of an opportunity to find out about the wide scale fraud, even though I know that the fraud actually oh, spanned no. nationwide and, and, and involved no, Ivy had... leagues and stuff like that. But that, that you just, you, you talking about it just brought it up in my head for a second. I was like, wait a minute. Did Larry Scott being good at one aspect of his job actually cause a greater embarrassment for the conference? Oh like, no. Was he no, really no, the, stepping on that many wrecks? Right. Right. That would be <laughs> incredible. Um, here's another quote. When asked about the Pac 12's weakness as a conference, which is a, a legitimate question. So actually, the Pac 12 people actually ask good questions. He responded. If we're being honest, it's the number of years since the Pac-12 has won a football or men's basketball championship. And the answer to that would be 17 and 24 years. I I loved his honesty there. I absolutely loved it because that's the anti-Larry Scott-ish uh, answer. He would have said, if you had asked Larry Scott that same question, he'd be like, oh, weakness. We we've, we've won more championships in this conference than any other co- conference, and uh, the uh, the the women's softball just won at UCLA, and Stanford just won in women's basketball. The the con- we are still working and aiming to get football better, but the but the but the conference there is no weakness here, right right uh, now. We're we're continuing to work on some areas that we're not quite as strong at, though. He strikes me very much as somebody who would not have come out and said that it's better to appear in a bowl game than win it, which is something that Larry Scott implied in front of all of the media, which was very bizarre. He strikes as somebody who would not pass the buck on the question that I asked him in at the uh, the last um, Pac-12 media day at Hollywood and Highland, which is, hey, most of the states in which you have colleges have legalized marijuana. Is it possible that the NCAA's overall penalty for for dealing with some of these things doesn't actually apply to this conference? And do you need to do something to step in and um, and make sure that you actually reflect the values of the states Ooh. that you have schools in? And his answer to that question was, we like how diverse our conference is. Um, like well, he strikes okay, me as somebody okay. who would not just give that bullshit Let- answer. NFL total access. The podcast is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's do a control then. When we're at Pac-12 Media Day uh, in 2021, Let's make sure he asked that same question. I mean, that, it'll, 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 it'll certainly make sense. Yeah, that he gets asked that same exact question. I love it. Um, another quote about the TV contracts for the final negotiations, I will be involved. And okay, but before I finish reading it, there's one word that 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 scares me in this sentence. <laughs> scares every Pac-12 fan. You already know what I'm gonna say, huh? Oh, one hundred percent. So it's for- the it's the only c word that's worse than the actual c word. <laughs> See you next Tuesday. Um, <laughs> for the final negotiations, I will be involved, but I think it's smart to hire a consultant. I was like, <laughs> dude, that's like buzzword to me. Like he didn't say consultant, did he? No. That's PTSD. That's PTSD because when Larry Scott said consultant, he meant Vinny from Queens who he owed money to. He didn't mean like he he didn't mean expert, which is what consultant means. Like consultants are a really good thing. They it's not just an expenditure. They save you money. They save you money. Like I so I'm right now my wife wants to demo the entire kitchen of the home that we bought. And <laughs> We can't because everything else is falling apart. So we're, we're trying to catch up those things. But like, but I was thinking and it was, it was, I felt like I grew up a little bit thinking about this and it was like, some of this we can do on our own and I can hire somebody to remodel our whole kitchen or I can hire somebody to, to do the stuff that we definitely can't do. But I'm sure that there's somebody out there who would take five or six hours out of their day for a discounted rate that is an expert in home repair and home renovation and, and, and kitchen design who would consult. And if they were able to consult with me for a few hours about the things that I could do on, on my own and I paid them for their time, then on the back end, I might save seven to $10,000, even though the consultation was an expenditure. That's how consulting work is supposed to work. And I know we have listeners who are consultants that could have explained that in a much better way than I could. But most people in their day-to-day lives don't deal with consultants. They genuinely feel like it is a cronyistic way to make up for your own deficiencies as a leader because their experience of consultants is the movie Elf when James Kahn asks his writers – 
what they should do to come up with a new children's book. <laughs> and their solution is what, George? Bring in, bring in more. No, hire somebody. Wait, bring hire in another more, writer. Yeah, yeah, hire another Miles writer. Finch. Yes, yes. <laughs> we bring in Miles Finch. Like that's what most people. That's what most people look at and they see is like, oh, like it's just. Um, a measure of inefficiency, but no, if you're smart and you bring in a consultant to show you how you can save or make money, then it's a, it's a benefit. The problem was John Wilner and John Canzano kept like tying all of these guys getting consultant fees from the PAC 12 to like old school lunch photos (laughs) from Larry Scott's elementary school days. Like it just was super, super cronyistic. And it ruined a lot of people's faith in the system. I'm not as alarmed by that statement as most people. I think. No, no, no. I, I, I had, but it is the PTSD though. Like, oh, I made you. It's a palpitations. Yeah. Um. So here is another thing that, according to Oregon President Michael Schill, that the Pac-12 is not committed to keeping the headquarters in the Bay Area beyond the current lease and. Quote, we don't feel strongly that it needs to be there. <laughs> That's such a weird thing to say. That's such a weird thing to say. Like, George, if <laughs> if your wife came home and you had set your workout clothes um, on top of like the toilet seat lid and she told you, hey, can you throw those in the hamper? And you replied, I don't feel strongly that my clothes need to remain where they're at. <laughs> You're like, oh, so you agree that they should be thrown in the in the hamper, right? That was a that was like a an interesting way that M- Michael Shield was like, no, it shouldn't b- be there. But I'm going to give you an answer that just sounds so ridiculous. That, that it answers the question, but it's also so nebulous that you're going to have to read it five times to wait, wait, hold up. Did, wait, did, did, was that a double negative or a single negative? <laughs> so, so yeah, so I, I, I think that that was funny because th- that was like corporate, corporate speak for like, fuck, no, we don't think it should be there. <laughs> That's stupid. He was like, we don't feel strongly that it needs to be there. Like, yes, that means that means that it's moving to Vegas, probably. Right. Where, and that was, what was the, funny was when they hired somebody from Vegas, the primary response was, we're going to Vegas. Yes. Like, the, people uh, immediately so, well, thought why, that's what would happen. Why? Why wouldn't you? Your your conference championships are played in Vegas. In, in football and in basketball. So it, it, it makes sense. Like land is cheaper in Vegas. I mean, it's literally probably the, the the amount of space that they can get is eight times probably whatever it would cost in San Francisco, which is probably the most expensive city in the country. The, it, it's it's a disaster, dude. It's a disaster. So, I don't know if you've gotten to the quote yet about expanding the college football playoff, but that was that was jarring to hear out of the gate, don't you think? No, I didn't think it was jarring. I thought it was smart. Like so, um, hold up. Let me let let me find the quote. Um, oh, he said that his personal success in this conference is tied to the to the success of the athletic directors and coaches. 
I like that. And um, he said the struggling Pac-12 networks are, quote unquote, part of the future of the conference's distribution strategy. And he said we have to get the Pac-12 network distributed on every place on every platform. That is numero uno. That means Hulu TV, YouTube TV, Direct TV, Roku TV, Apple TV, every TV that there is. The Pac-12 needs to be there. And what he about, gets it. Because I'm a I'm my, my mom went to University of Wyoming, so I'm, I've got some allegiance there, at least st- while I still owe Arizona State University seventy thousand dollars for a literature degree. Um, but I, I, I definitely follow and root for University of Wyoming in all things. And a couple of years back, they put their games on Facebook. And so did like University of Hawaii and a couple of other Mountain West schools. Like they streamed their games. Yep. Would you be open to that? I, I think that there are other options, right? That's my that's my only thing. Is that if, even if you started small, even if you said like, oh, we want you, we want you to be paying these cable companies and streaming providers. Um, yeah, but you can get revenue from 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 Facebook. Like if you do a Facebook, um, like you you can sell your commercials to the yeah. Facebook a- advertising. So that that's definitely an option for the Pac-12 net networks. I'm actually very interested to see how he's going to expand the access there. Um, what I, I couldn't find the college football playoff tweet again, but where. He just said we're 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 expanding now. Like we're we are absolutely from the gate advocating for the expansion of the college football playoff. Amen. To make sure like to to make sure all power conferences are included is my assumption. Absolutely. Uh oh, read read them the Canzano quote from earlier. Let's see. You know what I'm talking about when 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 you were telling me what Canzano said and then what the reply was to it. Oh, the the you you mean the Utah fan? Yes. <laughs> okay, hold on. That means that I. Okay, so uh, Oregon President Michael Schill told John Canzano that when you're looking for someone like the commissioner, it's about values. We all share the same values. We care deeply about our students. We care about winning, but we care about winning the right way. Um, and, (laughs) um, a Utah fan quote tweeted the quote that Kinzano, Kinzano put out there from Michael Schill. And he said, I don't give a shit about winning the right way. And I hope this guy doesn't either. (laughs) Do uh, you Uh, care about winning, winning the right way? It, it, it just, it's context, right? Like, I don't want a Houston Astros scandal. Do you? No, no. Like I, I don't want I don't want anything to do with uh, with anything like that. But I certainly like it having somebody who would like have to pretend to be upset that Oregon got into the college football playoff via selection committee over a team that like eighty five percent of the general population believed should actually be ranked higher kind of like back when you were playing and you thought you should be playing in the national championship. And so did most people, but it didn't work out that way. According to the BCS, like 
I think the overarching thing is you don't want a commissioner who would come out and be like, we understand people's frustration. You want a commissioner who would come out and be like, too bad. <laughs> yes, <Like>. exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, um, yeah, sorry. A- absolutely not. This is not going to work. And, and, and he doesn't strike me as a guy that would just take any old thing. You know what I mean? That if it's yeah. not going the right, the, the uh, right way, for the the conference that he's just going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 it's fine. No biggie. Can I ask you if you're worried about his record of job hopping? Because mm. if he was a coach, if he was a coach, that's a thing we would be talking about, right? Yeah. Well, see, see, here's... two and a half years at a VR company, okay. two and a half years at MGM, one of the years the MGM couldn't even operate. There are, there are, I was reading a business book uh, from a successful uh, guy, and he was talking about that there are two different types of C- CEOs, right? Occasionally, these these over overlap. They talked about there are wartime CEOs and there are peacetime CEOs. He may be a, a, a wartime CEO. You know, a guy who c- comes in, he fixes problems, and then he may not stay for, you know, pa- past his one term. Like he may want to be somewhere else, but then truly he's a sports fan, right? So doesn't he, like he wants to be involved in sports. Like, yeah, he had opportunities to in, in, um, at, at, at the MGM, but now imagine him getting an opportunity to, you know, be literally involved, hands-on in building something great in sports. I think that that, and then also along with the paycheck too, is probably pretty appetizing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I mean, so one of the things in searching for his name in the in mentions of his name in the year before all this happened, that he was named – uh, it, there, there was a lot of stuff that when he was named um, MGM uh, CEO, that uh, people came out of the woodwork and said like, "Oh, I used to work with this guy at such and such. He's great." It and and it's that sort of like random votes of confidence on the internet directed at nobody in particular that I find to be encouraging. He doesn't strike me as a guy who would schedule a conference call that everyone thinks is going to have to do with the idea that they struck a deal with direct TV to announce that he got a contract extension. No, no, I don't think he would call a press conference for that at, at, at all. He would want to drop that into like, you know, Hey guys, we gave everybody bonuses. FYI, uh, I'll be here a couple more years. Yeah. He strikes me as the type of guy who would call a, all hands on deck conference call with the entire pack 12 just to tell them that the Yankees won on the same day that Virginia tech lost. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, um, you guys, this has been the emergency episode of the pack 12 apostles. George Kilikoff is the new commissioner. The wicked witch is gone. I, I don't want to wish dead on Larry, Larry Scott, but his tenure is dead. And hopefully this is the new beginnings of, you know, something great. We can, we can have hope. This is like the NFL draft for the conference. So I'm excited and I'm, you know, I'm raring, raring to go, Ralph. 
Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we are we all collectively this day hate Grayson Allen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, peace out. Catch you guys next episode. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.